evening, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of the KWUR Theater of the Air, broadcasting to you live over this KWUR network. I'm David Reinstrom. That was very official. I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm Alex Jensen. Hi, Alexa. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Okay. Well, this is going to be a good show. This is going to be a good show. Today, guys, we have got story time. I like stories. I like you stories do like too. stories. Everybody likes stories, right? Are they bedtime stories? They're I'm kind of tired. They're the best time stories. Some oh. of them will be bedtime stories, and uh, some of them will be stories ripped from true life. Wow. Violently, with the force of a tsunami. Wow. I guess a tsunami can't really rip things. Too soon. Unless it's a rip Too tie? soon. Too soon? Was oh. there a tsunami? Oh, we have a caller. Uh, All right. Let's put him That's awesome. Air, I guess. Caller, you're on the air. Alright. Oh, oh, we have a caller. Right. Turn off your radio. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday to you. Hey, 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 David. David, remember. Remember when we said it was going to be the uh, uh, the rip from the headline show? We yes. lied. It's the birthday show. It's the David Bruno Brunel uh, 21st birthday extravaganza. You Surprise! Guys. Surprise! Happy birthday, David! Callers, callers Thank you, identify everybody. yourselves. Uh, uh, well, they, they appear to have uh, done a, a drive-by calling no, there. No, I think they're... Hello? A call-by. Oh, that was your grandparents, I think. Y- y- yes. Thank you, uh, mysterious... <laughs> Unidentified callers Here's for that. Here's how this is going to work. When you call in, identify yourselves after you sing happy birthday. Oh, no. Are we going to make this into a listener challenge? Uh, no, I, I believe we already have. I'm just saying. All right. Just well, in case. Y- you guys caught me. It is my birthday today. Happy birthday to and you. Naturally, that means we're going to have to put on an awesome show for you. And you smell like one, two. Ooh. That was the birthday song from David and I. Uh, do you like it? Your singing brings a tear to my eye, Actually, guys. Alex and I can do some pretty cute harmony, but we'll <clears> practice <throat> it while we play Mike Berbiglia's Sleepwalk With Me, which is from this podcast that Dave got me into called The yes, Moth. Yes, The which Moth. Is, which is what this is about today. Right. So uh, The Moth is a podcast that I started listening to where people get up on stage and they tell true stories from their lives without notes uh, in front of an audience. And there are some fantastic stories out there. The one that we're going to play from you, for you first is this guy, Mike Berbiglia. He's a comedian. And he's got a story called Sleepwalk With Me. So, without further ado, here is Mike Berbiglia with Sleepwalk With Me. I um, was thinking about conviction, and I think that sometimes um, denial can be one of the greatest convictions. Uh, About seven years ago, I started walking in my sleep, and I would have these recurring dreams that there was a hovering insect-like jackal in our bedroom. And I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and I would jump on the bed... And I would strike a karate pose. <laughs> I'd never taken karate, but I, I had the books from book fair. And, and I would say, Abby! That was my girlfriend. 
there's a jackal in the room. And she got so used to it, she could talk me down while remaining asleep. She said, there's no jackal in the room. Go to bed. And I would say, are you sure? And she would say, yes, Michael, go to bed. There's no jackal. And I would say, okay. And I would go to bed knowing that there was a jackal. <laughs> and that's trust. Because <laughs> around that time I had a dream that I was in the Olympics for some kind of arbitrary event like dustbustering. And they told me I got third place, and I stood up on the third place podium, and I'm feeling good about myself. I'm new to the sport, you know, and uh, yeah, oh, and they say, you know, actually, we reconsidered, and you got first place. And I was like, oh, well, that, that's a marvelous promotion. You know, I got first place. I move over to the first place podium, and it starts wobbling. And it's wobbling and wobbling, and I wake up, and I'm falling off the top of our bookcase in our living room. And I land on the floor hard on top of our TiVo. And it broke into pieces. And I'm, I'm disoriented on the floor. And it's like one of these stories where people black out drinking and they wake up in Idaho and they don't know where they are. And they're like, oh, no. Hardies, you know, or whatever is there. But it was, but it was in my my own living room. I was just like, oh no, Devo pieces, you know. And and I went to bed, and Abby woke me up in the morning, and she said, Michael, what happened? To the TiVo. <laughs> and I said, I got first place. <laughs> and it's a long story. So at this point I thought, you know, maybe I should see a doctor. And then I thought, maybe I'll eat dinner. <laughs> because that seems more convenient. Um, and, um, but a lot of people would say this to me. You know, my, my parents, you know, my dad's a doctor. He'd say, you know, you should really see a doctor. And, and I remember, you know, saying, you know, I'm really busy. Uh, and thinking these people were crazy, you know. Like, they don't know how busy I am. And so I never went to a doctor, but I did purchase a book uh, by a doctor named Dr. Dement, and it was, uh, which is not the, the, the most calming name for a sleep doctor. Uh, but it's called The Promise of Sleep. And I learned, uh, and these are helpful tips, um, I learned uh, turn off uh, cable news or, or the news before bed, uh, turn off your cell phone, turn off uh, the internet, your computer, uh, 
you know, don't have big meals, that kind of thing. And I came across uh, in the sleep disorders a disorder that resembled symptoms of, that, of mine, and it was called REM behavior disorder. And people who have this have a dopamine deficiency, and dopamine is the chemical that's released from your brain into your body that paralyzes your body when you fall asleep so that you don't do what's in your brain. <laughs> So I thought, you maybe maybe I have this this you know, and and then I thought, you know maybe I'll eat dinner, and so 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 I never I never went to see a doctor until about three years ago. Uh, I was performing at a college in uh, Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, I'm a comedian by trade, and uh, I was I was staying at a hotel called uh, La Quinta Inn, uh, and some people correct me. They go, no no no, it's La Quinta. And I'm like, that's not fair. You can't force me to speak Spanish. Uh, I, I didn't press two. Uh, but I'm at, I'm at... I'm at La Quinta Inn in Wyoming, Washington. And I fell asleep uh, watching the news, you know. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it, was a, it, was, it was sort of a, you know... A, a story about war and, and something very chaotic. And I fell asleep, and I had a dream that there was a guided missile headed towards my room. <laughs> and there's all these military personnel in the room with me, and I jump out of bed, and I'm like, what's the plan? <laughs> and they say, it's come to our attention, the missile coordinates are set specifically on you. <laughs> and I thought, that's very bad. Because, uh, you know, I don't have a plan for that one. <laughs> so I decided in, in, um, to, uh, to jump out the window. Uh, in my dream... And, <laughs> as it turns out, in my life. And there are two important details. One, I was on the second floor of La Quinta Inn. And two, the window was closed. So I jumped through a window like the Hulk. And I say that because that's how I described it at the emergency room in Walla Walla, Washington. I was like, you know the Hulk, you know? I, uh, he just kind of jumps through stuff. <laughs> um, I have a habit of preemptively shouting when something traumatic is about to happen. Like, it, it, if someone were going to come up to me after one of my shows because they didn't agree with something I said, and they were going to punch me in the face, my defense would be to just go, ah! That, that's all I got. You know, thinking maybe the person would be like, this is weird, I'm out of here, you know? And so, this is a traumatic situation. I jump through the window and I scream, ah! 
And what was remarkable is that people of this disorder are capable of doing things they couldn't do in their everyday life. It's like blacking out drinking where you don't feel any pain or inhibition. I jumped through a second-story window, and I landed on the front lawn of the hotel. I took a spill. I got back up, and I kept running. (laughs) And I'm running, and I'm slowly realizing... I'm on the front lawn of La Quinta Inn in Waiawaya, Washington, in my underwear, bleeding. And I'm like, oh no. And it was one of those rare moments in your life where, in retrospect, you're like, what the hell? And at the time, you're like, I guess I'll walk to the front desk and explain what happened. (laughs) Fortunately, the person working at the front desk was mildly retarded. And I say fortunately because he was completely unfazed by what had just happened. It's three in the morning. The phones are ringing off the hook from people staying at the hotel who just saw the guy jump out the window screaming. I'm bleeding in my underwear, and I say, hello. Because as it turns out, you have to start somewhere. I'm staying at the hotel, credibility. Uh, I, (laughs) I had an incident wherein I jumped out of my window. I am bleeding, and I need to go to a hospital. And I'll never forget his reaction, because he just goes, And I, I thought, this is the best possible reaction I could receive at this juncture. And so I drove myself to the hospital. You know, I'm all alone in this very remote place, and I wasn't going to knock on people's doors at random Hey, do you hear that guy screaming? That was me. I need a ride. You know, I mean. And so I drove myself. I checked myself into the emergency room. I had to explain what happened three times. You know, the nurse and the doctor in the front desk. I'm the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. I'm the Hulk. And the doctor, uh, God bless him, worked on me until about 530 in the morning. And he put 30 stitches in my arms and in my legs and even he's an emergency room doctor and even he was like you should be dead and I was like no you should I zinged him I uh and um and uh and then I about 5.30 I drove back to the hotel and I I checked out and I, I I actually I paid for the window uh like any good window jumper would and uh and it was uh, it was three hundred dollars for the window and about 49 for the room and um (laughs) and i went back to new york and i did what i uh, i should have done in the first place when i saw the jackal i went to a doctor who specializes in sleepwalk disorders so now when i go to bed at night i take a very strong pill and i sleep in a sleeping bag up to my neck, and I wear mittens, so I can't open the sleeping bag. 
So literally, if I had the same dream again, it would just be like, So, uh, in closing, <laughs> I think that uh, if it weren't for denial, I, I wouldn't be a comedian. Because to be a comedian, you have to go on stage that first, for those first few years and, uh, and bomb. And then walk off stage and think, that went great. <laughs> Because otherwise, you'd never get on stage the next night. You would just think, human beings don't like me. <laughs> but sometimes denial can kill you. Thank you very much. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans? That means 9 out of 10 wildfires can be prevented. Causes include careless smoking, unsupervised burning of debris, unattended campfires, and sparks from ATVs used in high-risk areas. A public service message brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Thank you, Alex Bear. You're welcome. Uh, that noise you heard in the background was a, um, was I a was shop vac. Tr- I-, I was trying to figure out what that was. Yeah, that's a shop vac in the back of the station. Okay. Our beloved tech director is okay. uh, constructing a new computer. Yeah, I he's, was. I was brilliant. David I and I were like making hand signals at each other. I was other trying, to, trying, say, trying to, to say it's a vacuum. I was wondering what if I was supposed to if I was doing something wrong. Or no, no. Well, that's baby, it wasn't a, you. that was a vacuum, know. folks, and this. Is the KWU <laughs> the Sokobatic is coming to get you, <laughs> David? Go away! Oh, oh God! Oh, it's terrifying! Thank you, Mr. Shanker. That was Shanker. He's uh, our tech director. And this him. is the Kworth Theater of the Air here on KWUR ninety point three FM. Today is February the twelfth, which means it is. David's 21st birthday. Happy birthday. It is. You yes. guys. Oh. Round of applause. Round of applause. Aww. So guess what we got you for your birthday? Uh, A whole bunch of people calling you. <laughs> if you could see his face right now, ladies and gentlemen. That, is, is, my, that is what love the, looks like. The only like. way I can react to that is uh, the Mike Birbiglia reaction. Screaming. Ah! Oh, God. <laughs> you guys, he just jumped through the board like uh, the Hulk. The, yes, the, story... the rest of the show is going to have to be postponed. David broke the board. <laughs> he jumped through it like the Hulk. There is now <laughs> bits of wire everywhere. And he oh. is bleeding. <laughs> I'm bleeding. Alex is bleeding. The story the, that you the just. The station is bleeding. Oh, the story God. that you just heard, folks, was. <laughs> the succobatic is bleeding. <laughs> Mike Berbiglia uh, on stage for The Moth, which um, is. A integral part of our theme this hour, this two hours, this two hours, we're doing storytelling, and The Moth is a storytelling podcast, so people get up on stage and they tell stories from their lives uh, in front of an audience. And Are they Mike, all that funny? They're not all that funny. That I mean, one I know for tonight a, you selected well, a bunch Well, because Mike Birbiglia is a comedian. 
uh. by trade. He's actually got a one-man show in New York uh, that he tells this story as part of. It's actually called Sleepwalk With Me. Ah. Uh. Oh, I... Ah. Uh. <clears throat> Sorry. What? We timed that wrong. We were trying to time it. One, two, three. Ah. Uh. Uh. Oh, that's still a little off. Well, we'll we'll do it for next time. Anyway, I I, I actually I am no understanding for my for my acting class. Um, one of the uh, a it was an icebreaker uh, type of thing. B it was to help the professor um, get sort of idea of like what kind of actors we were, and so we all had to go up in the front of the room and tell a personal story. What kind of actor are you? I, I guess I'm the kind of person, apparently, this is what the professor says, I'm the kind of person who thinks that everyone around me is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. And that I have no faith in humankind. Um, oh, cool. And, I don't either. I, and he, the story that I told was of the time I went to Costa Rica and I fell off a horse and I, I hurt my butt. Badly. That well, was the story that well, indicated to that, the professor? That, yeah, apparently the that way had... that I told the story in, you know, was an indication to him that, that I... Could you, do you think, uh, if, if we took a break, do you think that you could summon up that story and retell it for us? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll think as about you that. Did. It won't be as funny, though. That's the thing. I can't follow that. I can't follow a comedian. Well, yeah, then we won't have you follow a comedian. Yeah, you're not, you're not competing. <laughs> okay. It's not a competition. We'll have you follow somebody lame like, uh, I don't know, who do we got? We got a bunch of authors. <laughs> All right. Authors. Okay. So we're going to take a good. break, and then uh, Kayworth Theater of the Air will be back with more real, true stories. Andrew, you're prepped. What? Nothing. After the song, call. What's an Andrew? Oh. <laughs> Nothing. Oh. oh. Happy birthday to Dave. Oh, we 
And we're back. And we're, we're back. And our phone is ringing. I here wonder on who that could be. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Let me get rid of this. Ambient stuff. The, the end of this. Hello, song. caller. Can you hear us? Uh, thank you, mysterious caller. Please identify yourself, mysterious caller. This mysterious caller is Andrew Calagero. Andrew? Aw, hey, what's up? <laughs> what's going on, Dave? <laughs> Not much. Doing a radio yeah. show? Andrew, cool. what, what, what happy birthday messages? Also, hi for the first time. Uh, what, Hello. <laughs> what, what language is, That's is what, what I want to well, ask? It was supposed to be Italian. It was supposed to be Italian? Um, <laughs> I come from a long line of Italians, and Google told me that was Italian. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Andrew. Do you have any special other other birthday messages for David? Um, you know, I was going to write a whole list of things, but I had a sore throat in my right hand, so I couldn't. <laughs> Dang. I hate it when that happens. I like this. I can see why you like this guy. Yeah, you see? Yeah. You see? Oh, great approval. One hears stories, <laughs> Mr. Caligero. Have a lovely evening. Thank you for you calling. Too. Thanks. Rachel, you're next. Rachel, you're next. What? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. What are you guys doing? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, if you've just tuned you've in, totally lost and gentlemen, me. Yeah. It is David's birthday. Yay! Ha ha. Also, okay, let's um, sing. I one, thought you were going to tell us three. No, I'm uh, <laughs> what? Ready? Let's sing. One, two, three. I thought you were going to say what Happy the show was. Happy birthday Which? to you. Happy birthday to you. Mm, oh darn! Oh we darn have... it! We both did. Let's the start harmony. that over. Uh, <laughs> you do the harmony. One, two, three, four. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday to you. That was delicious. You guys are embarrassing me. You're Sorry. embarrassing me. No, I was. I but was. in the best possible way. Yay. Caller. Uh-oh. We got another caller. We have. Who could this be? Another caller. This is the best day ever. Caller, you're, you're on the air. We got another caller. Turn off the radio. We can no, just hold up the phone. But we can hear what? us. Can you can you hear me? Yeah. Turn off the radio. Turn turn the radio down. Uh, is it? Can you? Okay. Can I can you hear, hear you fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I screwed up your birthday. No. Ten Jovi. <laughs> no, you know what? Okay, okay. Start over. Start over. No, I was going to say happy birthday to Pam, but I'm going to mess it up. The only one I know is Ten Jovi, which is birthday, but I, it's like oh oh date. But I pro- I don't know if that's right. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> Well, we wouldn't know. Hi. Hi, Rachel. It's all the same to us. David Brunel Brumman, this is your life. That's a, what this is. With that's... a litany of friends and relatives calling from your past. That's what Caller, introduce yourself. Do I have to? You, you don't have to say your name. last name. You can just what, say... What's up? It's Rachel. I'm not from your past, though. I'm from your present. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, t- so oh, I, oh, that, that wait, works also. Wait, Tanjobi Omedate... Oh, I forget how to say friend. Haven't, haven't you been studying Dad. Japanese for like three years? Yeah, I, I, I just had class today. I got a seven <laughs> on my last test. Uh, Wait, out a of seven? Out of a hundred? Tomo, no, it was out of 20. I mean, it's not terrible, oh. but Tomodachi is friend. So, Tanjobi Omedate, Watashi no Tomodachi. I did it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Arigato. Arigato. Sayonara. Thank you for calling, Reg. <laughs> Bye, Dave. I'm listening to your show. You should be pleased. I am pleased. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Happy birthday. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Now we can continue on with the show. Um, I don't Where know. Were what, we? what were we doing? <laughs> Alex, were you going to tell a story? I don't. Oh, yes. Yes, I was going to tell a story. 
Um, I was I was saying before. Um... Okay, so this this episode here on Kworth Theater of the Air, we're mm-hmm. doing uh, stories. Right. Stories from people's lives. True stories. True stories. Or at the very least, based on true stories. Yes. And Alex, I believe, has a story. I do. I. I um. This is this. This is probably the only good story that I have. Um. So I will try really hard to do it justice. You are full of stories. <laughs> no, that's probably true. Remember the time that that guy did that crazy thing with the hot sauce? Was that hot sauce? I hope so. He snorted hot sauce <laughs> or chili powder. Oh, oh, you yeah. You showed me video of yes. that. Yeah, that video. is real. That is a story. There's but for another time. <laughs> After the hour, was I that the same that. time that that he shaved his head? He, that, that was the same. Shaved his head into a mohawk. That was the same. Yes. 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 Um, that is a story for for another time. Yeah, but um. this is a this was some story about Costa Rica and horses. Yes. I'm just saying you're full of stories. No, Don't sell yourself short. I guess so. I love you. I love you too. Okay, <clears throat> David, tell her you love her. I I love you dearly. Okay, good. Tell us this. You will story. love me more after the story. So, I'm in Costa Rica, right? It's it's the the summer before my senior year in high school, um, and we are riding horses on on the beach. Me me and some some classmates. Um, it was like a like a, a biology um, educational type trip is what it was um and so we're, we're riding horses on the beach which is something that everyone wants to do you know it's romantic or exotic or whatever do horses get a lot of traction on the beach don't interrupt sorry uh, no it's it's a, it's a legitimate question i i wonder the same thing but you know the horses they seem to be doing fine um save for the fact that they probably made this trek multiple times every day to and from because it was kind of a touristy kind of thing sure um so we all are on our horses. Um, I have ridden horses before at summer camp, but, you know, it's been a while and it's going okay. So um, I'm pretty happy, save for the fact that, of course, I am allergic and had giant welts all over my legs. You were allergic to horses? I'm allergic to horses, apparently. Oh. Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, it's very itchy. They're like massive mosquito bumps and 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 – and they're on my legs, and the, the sweaty horse is, like, rubbing against me. And, and anyway, it, it could have been better at that point. But, you know, I was in Costa Rica, and I was on the beach, and I was with my friends. Also, one of my friends got the pregnant horse, and so she was a fair ways behind <laughs> us. I thought you were going to say she I got thought, the pregnant. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> She, she got, got the, pregnant. the pregnant. It's like a disease. Yes. No, no. Yes. She she was put on the pregnant horse, and so okay. And that horse was way behind us, and so at this point, I'm like, you know, I could deal with the the itchy, you know, bumps. Um, no big deal because my friend is on a pregnant horse. Uh, anyway, so we get to the point where we're hitting the edge of the woods, and our trek is about to come to an end, and the trail back up to our um, the place where we were staying is fairly steep um, and quite rocky, if I do say so myself. And at this point, the horses understand that this is getting close to the end, um, and they will soon get us off of their backs, literally, quite literally. Um, so, So at this point, all of the horses start to gallop at an increasingly fast pace because they're like, yay, you know. End point. And so we're going to eat some oats. And so, yes, oats, apples, carrots, you know, sugar. Small people. Small people. Tiny like, Costa I Ricans. wouldn't be surprised. 
T- Ticos, as they're called, the native folks. Um, so these horses are galloping, like literally. And it's kind of fun, but I'm also a little bit scared. I've never um, been in a galloping yeah, horse. Canter is as far as I've they're, they're, they're pretty. They're fast. pretty fast. Yeah. They're pretty fast. So, I, you know, I'm riding along. I'm like, this is great. All of a sudden, I feel like my equilibrium is off a little bit. Because my saddle starts to slip oh, to the no. side. Oh, no. What happened was a combination of A, sweaty horse, and <laughs> B, someone did not fasten the saddle well enough. So I am tilting ever so slowly, yet ever so surely. No. Yes. Uh. And I realize, you know, we're in this line of galloping horses. I realize if I fall... I will get trampled by the other horses oh, that no. are coming up behind me. So, like, I'm in, like, I'm in, I'm going to die mode, you know, because I'm like, what, what do I do here? I thought this was going to be a funny story. It, it is funny now because <laughs> I'm not dead. It's one of those. <laughs> and I have a souvenir, which I will explain in a moment. Um, <laughs> the heart of the horse? Still no. beating? Come on, no, no. come on. <laughs> um, so I'm slipping and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I have to jump or I'm going to die. So I leap off of this horse, um, and I think I yelled something to the effect of, I'm not going to make it. Like, I, I just I, – <laughs> yeah, I, I, you guys, Epic. I'm not going to make it. And Epic. I, and I leap from this horse. Wow. The weird part is I, I landed on my feet somehow. Well, first, the first impact with the ground that I made yes. was on my left buttocks, uh, on which – my plastic waterproof camera was hanging, so I landed. I landed between a rock and, rather, the camera was between the rock and my butt, and so it and your butt place and a, and a butt place. Yeah, the camera was between a rock and a butt place, and um, so I landed on this rock and this camera, and the impact was incredibly severe, and I I had this huge bruise, and it was every color of the rainbow. I rolled a few times. Oh, that happened to me after my bike accident. Yeah, it's it's not fun. Oh yeah, I remember I, that. I, I rolled a few times, scratched up my my back, you know, my legs, my arms, somehow not my head, and then I landed on my feet. Like I think it's from playing volleyball. Like I rolled a few times, and I and I ended up on my feet, and I was in shock at that point. So. I kind of I kind of fell down again, but um, understandable. Yeah, so you know my camera broke also, which was really sad. But uh, <laughs> anyway, to this day, well, I, I couldn't hike for the next like three days. I could not walk. Like this this camera injury on my butt had hurt so bad that I, I could not even move. <laughs> um, I mean, to make matters worse, I was wearing these mesh underwear to like dry faster. And, of course, both of my teachers happened to be male and no. needed to examine the injury. And, of course, I'm wearing, like, invisible undergarments. And it was just an incredibly awkward situation. Um, but awful. I have a souvenir. It is a large bump on my butt where I impacted the ground. Um, the doctor calls it a lipoma, which apparently is a fatty tissue that accumulates uh when there is a severe trauma so wow my god alex mm-hmm. i've just had a crippling realization that is a what? crazy story i am a lipoma what do you mean i'm just a fatty deposit over a series of traumas <laughs> oh 
they're there. Oh, see, see, this story. I'm not gonna make it. Oh, shh, 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 oh. Now I've upset him. I've upset him with my story. I want a pony. So I, I, I do want to ask, since my <clears throat> acting professor I'm said okay. that this story gave the impression that. Everyone around me is an idiot. Did did you? What, did you why? What, what why did that have to do with anybody that? else? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, see, I figured the story would be like, and then these idiots like tried to <laughs> operate on me, and yeah, they, I lost my leg. Yeah, like that. And now I have this fatty deposit where a leg should be. Where a leg should be. Now I've got an arm or, for or a, a lung. Or like they were telling you to jump oh off. Oh my god. No, no. You're the worst like that. doctor ever. No, I don't know. But apparently that, that story says a lot about my personality. <laughs> Maybe it's the I'm not gonna make it part. That's really the only the only I'm not gonna make it. <laughs> the only indication of personality I get from the you know story what you probably is what you did. I mean, is the decision making process and what you say yeah. while taking this epic decision. It's it's kind of like things happening to me rather than me right. being proactive. So I don't know how that really says a lot. It's almost about a Xena warrior princess moment, though. Imagine mm-hmm. if instead of a horse that you were falling off of, it was like a cliff, and you had like like ring blades, and you were stabbing at people with them. Exactly that like. did happen also. Doesn't Zena the warrior princess ride horses? This is irrelevant. Yeah, but she does. She does her own <laughs> irrelevant. Attack, so she knows how to put on a saddle. I'm irrelevant. Just All right. Well, uh, that's not irrelevant because I have a bottomus. She obviously didn't put the saddle Ugh. on my horse because. Anyway, we can move on. That anyway, is my story. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was a pretty, pretty good, good story. story. Thanks, Jinx. Dave can't talk because it's his birthday. I just said David means he's on Jinx. Darn it. Ha. <laughs> So we're going to move on and we're going to listen to my own petard. more true stories from uh, The Moth, this live Great. oral storytelling thing. Let's hear it. So this next one is uh, going to be from a guy named Andrew Solomon. He's a, an author. Can you figure out what his accent is? He has a very strange accent. At first, it sounds English. Oh, hold on. Oh. We got another. The phone rings. And then and the phone rings. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, happy birthday for you, happy birthday for you, happy birthday dear David, happy birthday to you. Thank you, mysterious caller. I am very well. You You know who this is, of course. Um... Do I? Herzlichen Glückwunsch zum Geburtstag. Oh my goodness. Helga. <laughs> Hello, Helga. Thank you for calling. Hi. You're welcome. How in the world are you? Will you oh. Will you say who you are for the benefit of our audience? Well, uh, do you want me to say who I am? Uh, certainly. Well, or what your relationship is to David, if you don't feel like divulging that much personal information. Oh, no, yourself. no. I, I mean. don't mind saying that at all. I am his former babysitter. Yes, from uh, what seems like about a million years ago, wow. right? How, how old well, was he it, when you it, took care it, of it him? Seems, it seems like a long time ago. David was only a little boy. I oh. think when I first met him, yes. he was about two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is just he, so he adorable. Was, he was just the cutest little boy, and I'll never forget it, and I enjoyed taking care of him. We have an update for you, Helga. Pardon me? He's still the cutest little boy. He is. I mean, Aww, he, and, he and his sister, Rachel. I, I loved them then. I love them today. And uh, they just leave me with so many wonderful memories. 
Well, David, it, it is it is so great to hear from you. Well, it is so great to hear from you. Well, thank you, David. I hope you're okay, and I hope everything goes well in school. And he's uh, doing very I, well. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, thanks welcome. for your call. Okay, you're welcome, David. Bye. Goodbye. What are you guys playing at? I don't know. That was just the most adorable thing that, uh, that I've I have ever heard in my life. I I I'm, I feel I I'm um yes, this is like the the elaborate um machinations. Yes. There are elaborate I mean this is this is just me and Alex and and your mother playing <laughs> at this. I just I mean um, ca- credit where credit is due. Well, Dr. Brunel, you're next. But we'll uh, call after the after the show. Okay. Well, should should I play a thing? Yeah, yeah. Play yeah, a play thing. Play a thing. Let's play a thing. Uh, so I was describing <laughs> uh, Andrew Solomon. See, you, you're going to keep me making me lose my train of thought. It's terrible. Andrew Solomon tells he's got a very strange accent. It starts out English and then it gets kind of American-y. He's just got this weird transatlantic then, thing going on. This story is yes. all about depression. It's all about oh, depression and exorcisms. So, although although Helga left us feeling warm and fuzzy. Yes, she did. She really and truly did. Prepare I feel for depression. very warm and fuzzy. But Prepare now Andrew depression. Solomon is going to talk about depression. Uh, it's, so. a very, it's a very serious subject. Enjoy that, and then we'll this be back. This is actually a very funny story. Here on K-Worth Theater of the Air. So, I'm not depressed now. But I was depressed for a long time, and I wrote about being depressed, and I lived for a long time with blinding depression and had long stretches when everything seemed hopeless and pointless, when returning calls from friends seemed like more than I could do, when getting up and going out into the world seemed painful, when I was completely crippled with anxiety. And when I finally got better and started writing about the process of recovery, I became very interested in all of the different kinds of treatment that there were for depression. And having started as a kind of medical conservative, thinking that there were only a couple of things that worked, medication and certain talking therapies, and that that was really it, I very gradually began to change my mind. Because I realized that If you have brain cancer and you decide that standing on your head and gargling for half an hour every day makes you feel better, it may make you feel better, but the likelihood is that you still have brain cancer and you're still going to die from it. But if you have depression and you say that standing on your head and gargling for half an hour makes you feel better, then you are actually cured because (laughs) depression is an illness of how you feel. And if you feel really great after you do that, then you're not depressed anymore. So I began to think all kinds of things could work. And I researched everything ranging from experimental brain surgeries to hypnotic uh, regimens of various kinds. I had people writing to me because I had been publishing on this subject. There was one woman who wrote to me, and she said that she had tried actually electroshock treatments and a variety of other approaches to depression, medication, and therapy. And she had finally found the thing that worked for her, and she wanted me to tell the world about it, and that was making little things from yarn. Um, (laughs) Some of which she sent me. (laughs) And none of which I'm wearing right now. But 
in any event, um, I had that, um, that rich engagement. And I also became interested, as I was doing this work, in the idea that depression existed not only in the civilized West, as people tended to perceive it to exist, but actually across cultures and had existed across time. And so when one of my dearest friends, my friend David Hecht, who was living for a little while in Senegal, said to me, do you know about the tribal rituals that are used for the treatment of depression here? I said, no, I don't know about them, but I would like to know about them. And he said, well, if you come for a visit, we could try to do some research on this topic. And so I set off for Senegal, and I met David, and I was introduced to David's then-girlfriend, now ex-wife, Hélène. (laughs) And um, it turned out that Hélène had a cousin whose mother was a friend of someone who went to school with the daughter of a person who actually practiced the undop, and that I could therefore go and interview this woman who had practiced the undop. And so we went off to um, a small town about two hours outside of Dakar, and uh, I was introduced to this extraordinary old, large woman wrapped in miles and miles of African fabric printed with figures of eyes. And she was Madame Diouf, and we did an interview for about an hour, and she told me all about the undop. And at the end of it, feeling rather daring, I said, "Um, listen, I said, I I hope, I, I don't know whether this is something you would even consider, I said, but would it be possible for me to attend an undop? And she said, well, I've certainly never had a foreigner. The local word was too, Bob. I've never had a foreigner attend one of these before, she said. But actually, she said, I mean, you've come through these friends and these connections. She said, yes, the next time I perform an end-up, you may be present. And I said, that's fantastic. I said, when are you next going to be doing an end-up? And she said, oh, it'll be sometime in the next six months. And I said, six months is quite a long time for me to stay here in this town (laughs) waiting for you to do one. I said, is there anyone who might, maybe we could expedite one for somebody, (laughs) move it forward, Um, I'll pitch in. Um, She said, no, it really doesn't work that way. She said, I'm sorry, but um, uh, that's that's how it is. And I said, well, I guess I won't be able to see an end-up then, but even so, this conversation has been so interesting and so helpful to me, and, and I, I'm a little sad leaving here about not actually getting to see one, but, but I thank you. And she said, well, I'm, I'm glad that you could come. I'm glad it was helpful. And she said, um, but there is one other thing. She said, I, I, I hope you don't mind my saying this. And I said, well, no, what? What is it? And she said, you don't look that great yourself. <laughs> she said, are you, you are suffering from depression? And I said, well, yes. I said, I, I was very acute. It's kind of a little better now, but yeah, I still do actually suffer from depression. She said, well, I've certainly never done this for a two-bob before, but I could actually do an undup for you. <laughs> and I said, oh. I said, what an, what an interesting idea. I said, well, um, yes, uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, let's, let's, let's do that. I said, that I'll have an undop. And she said, oh, well, that's great, she said. And she gave us some, um, uh, some sort of fairly basic instructions, and then we left. And my translator, the aforementioned then-girlfriend, now ex-wife of my friend, 
turned to me and she said, are you completely crazy? Do you have any idea what you're getting yourself into? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm all these things, very interesting. She said, you're crazy. She said, you're totally crazy, but I'll help you if you want. So we had left, and the first thing we had was a shopping list. There had been a, she had, you could get them to buy the stuff, but you had to pay a surcharge. I'd said, no, we'd buy the stuff. So we had to go out. We had to buy seven yards of African fabric. Um, we had to get um, a calabash, which was a large bowl fashioned from a gourd. We had to get um, three kilos of millet. We had to get sugar. We had to get cola beans. And then we had to get two live cockerels, two roosters, and a ram. Um, <laughs> and so Ellen and I went to the market with David and with these other um, people, and we got most of the things. And I said, well, but what, what about the, the ram? And Ellen said... <laughs> We can't buy the ram today. What are we going to do with it overnight? So I saw the sense of that. So the next day... <laughs> the next day, we got into a taxi to go back out two hours to where we were going, and I said, what about the ram? And Ellen said, oh, we'll see a ram along the way. So we were going along and going along, and there was a Senegalese shepherd by the side of the road with his flock, and we stopped the cab, and we got out, and... We bought the ram for $7, and then we had a little bit of a struggle getting the live ram into the trunk of the taxi cab. Um, so, but the cab driver seemed not at all worried, even by the fact that the ram kept relieving himself in the trunk of the taxi cab. Um, and so then we got to um, at Rufisque, and we got there, and I said, well, here I am. I'm ready um, for my close-up, and... Uh, the thing about the indup is that it varies enormously depending on a whole variety of signals and symbols that come from above. So we had to go through this whole shamanistic process, and I still didn't know really very much of what was going to happen. So first I had to change out of my jeans and my T-shirt and put on a loincloth, and then I sat down, and then I had my chest and my arms rubbed with millet, and then, um, which is a grain, and then someone said, oh, we really should have music um, for this. And I said, oh, great. And I thought, you know, drumming. I thought some atmospheric thing. And she came out with her very prized possession, which was a battery-operated tape player for which she had one tape, which was Chariots of Fire. <laughs> so we started listening to Chariots of Fire. And... In the meanwhile, I was given sort of various shamanistic objects. I had to hold them with my hands and drop them. I had to hold them with my feet and drop them. I had to, they would sort of say, oh, this augurs well, this augurs badly. There were five assistants to Madame Dioth who had all gathered around. And we sort of spent the morning like this, and it was all really um, just fine. And then um, they said it was maybe, we'd started at about 8, maybe about 11, 11.30. They said, well, now it's actually time for the, the central part of the ritual. And I said, oh, okay. And the sound of drumming, began, the drumming I'd been hoping for, the drumming began. And so there was all of this drumming, and it was very exciting, and we um, went to the central square of the village, where there was a small makeshift wedding bed that I had to get into with the ram. Um, <laughs> and I had been told it would be very, very bad luck if the ram escaped, and that I had to hold on to him, and that the reason we had to be in this wedding bed was that all my depression and all my problems 
were caused by the fact that I had spirits. In Senegal, you have spirits that live all over you the way here. You sort of have microbes. Some are good for you. Some are bad for you. Some are neutral. Anyway, my bad spirits were extremely jealous of my real-life sexual partners, um, some of whom are here tonight. And... Um, uh, and that we had to um, mollify the anger of the, um, of the spirit. So I had to get into this wedding bed with the ram, and I had to hold the ram very tightly because he, he was not having a good life, this ram. Um, and he, of course, immediately relieved himself on my leg. And the entire village had taken the day off from their work in the fields and were dancing around us in concentric circles. And as they danced, throwing blankets and sheets of cloth over us, and so we were gradually being buried, and it was unbelievably hot, and it was completely stifling, and there was the sound of these stamping feet as everyone danced around us, and then these drums, which were getting louder and louder and more ecstatic and more ecstatic, and I was just about at the point at which I thought I was going to faint or pass out. At that key moment, um, suddenly all of the cloths were pulled off. I was yanked to my feet. The loincloth that was all I was wearing was pulled from me, The poor old ram's throat was slit, um, as were the throats of the two cockerels, and I was covered in the blood of the freshly slaughtered ram and the cockerels. Um, And so there I was, naked, totally covered in blood, and they said, okay, that's the end of this part of it. And um, I said, well, okay. And they said, "Um, but uh, you... uh, uh, they said, we're actually, we, there's a, the next piece comes now. And I said, okay. And we went over back to the area where we'd done the morning preparations. And one of them said, but look, it's, it's kind of lunchtime. Why don't we just take a break for a minute? Would you like a Coke? <laughs> I, I don't drink Coke that much. But at that moment, it seemed like a really, really, really good idea. And I said, yes. And so I sat there naked and completely covered in animal blood um, with flies kind of gathering as they will when you're naked and covered in animal blood. And I... I drank this Coke. And then when I had finished the Coke, they said, okay, now we have the sort of final parts of the ritual. They said, um, so first you have to put your, your hands by your sides and, and hold your stand very straight and very erect. And I said, okay. And then they tied me up with the intestines of the ram. Um, and in the meanwhile, it was hanging from a nearby tree, and they were, there was someone sort of doing some butchering of it. And they took various little bits of it out. And then I had to kind of shuffle over, all tied up in in intestines, which most of you probably haven't done, but it's hard. Um, I had to shuffle over, and I had to take these little pieces of the ram, and I had to dig holes, and I had to put the pieces of the ram in the holes. And I had to say something, and what I had to say was actually, to me, incredibly, strangely touching in the middle of this weird experience. I had to say, spirits... Leave me alone to complete the business of my life and know that I will never forget you. And I thought, what a kind thing to say to the evil spirits you're exercising, that (laughs) I'll never forget you, and I I haven't. So anyway, there were various other little bits and pieces that followed. I was given a piece of paper in which all of the millet from the morning had been gathered. I was told that the next morning I, I should sleep with it under my pillow and in the morning get up and give it to a beggar who had good hearing and no deformities, and that when I gave it to him, that would be the end of my troubles. And then 
the women sort of all filled their mouths with water and began spitting water all over me, which it turns out is the sort of, you know, it's the surround shower effect, and (laughs) rinsing the blood away from me. And it gradually came off, and when I was clean, they gave me back my jeans, and everyone danced, and they barbecued the ram, and we had this dinner, and I felt so up. (laughs) I felt so up. It had... It had been quite an astonishing experience, even though I didn't believe in the animus principles behind it. All of these people had been gathered together cheering for me, and it was very exhilarating. And I had a very odd experience five years later when I was working on my current book, and I was in Rwanda doing something else altogether, and I got into a conversation with someone there, and I described the experience I'd had in Senegal, and he said, oh, you know, we have something that's a little like that. He said, that's West Africa, this is East Africa, it's quite different, but there are some similarities um, in some rituals here. He said, you know, we had a lot of trouble with Western mental health workers who came here immediately after the genocide, and we had to ask some of them to leave. And I said, what, what was the problem? And he said, okay, they came And their practice did not involve being outside in the sun, like what you're describing, which is, after all, where you begin to feel better. There was no music or drumming to get your blood flowing again when you're depressed and you're low and you need to have your blood flowing. He said there was no sense that everyone had taken the day off so that the entire community could come together to try to lift you up and bring you back to joy. He said there was no acknowledgement of the depression as something invasive and external that could actually be cast out of you again. He said instead they would take people one at a time into these dingy little rooms and have them sit around for an hour or so and talk about bad things that had happened to them. (laughs) He said we had to get them to leave the country. Thank you. Hey there, folks. We're back here at Kayworth Theater of the Air. I'm David Bruno Brutman. Uh, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm Alex Jensen. <laughs> I was leaning back in my chair, and it squeaks, and so I it's, I didn't want to lean forward again. And I forgive make squeaky you. Noise. Okay, continue. I forgive you. And uh, <laughs> what you just heard was uh, Andrew Solomon with Notes on an Exorcism. And this is from today. Our theme has been stories and storytelling, and we've been playing selections from The Moth, which is a uh, podcast wherein people get up on stage, tell true stories from their lives in front of an audience, and they record it, and they put it on the internet. It's ridiculous how ridiculous these stories are. Aren't they? And they're real. They? I think that's part yes. of the charm. These, is... are, these are entirely true stories. Uh, it's so so funny. we will be back with more true stories uh, after we take a brief break. So how does that sound? Uh, okay. All right. Comes and goes like fits and busy spells like a weather And it blows like it knows what's going wrong Like it's clever Has a name Oh, but the name goes and spoken
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the K-Worth Theater of the Air. It's true. Here on 90.3, 90.3 FM. Can we do an analog Wait. version of our, uh, our thing? Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I didn't bring it. We, we have... <gasps> no, 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 no. We got, we got it right here. Ready, Alex? Ready? I'll poke you. <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. I did bring it. We, we'll play it oh, later. Okay. Well, we'll, can we, we, can we do the analog this. version now? Yes. Okay. K-W-U-R... Clayton, 90.3 FM. Thank you for humoring us. <laughs> uh, anyway. Stay tuned for the studio version of the that. The actual, Of that yes. hit station ID. ID <laughs> later in the show. Number one on the charts. Yes. Uh, but before we move on, mm-hmm. I, I believe Alex has something for us. I do. That's a true fact. The Earth has a natural balance of life. Global warming is disrupting that balance. You can help fight global warming. If every family replaced three frequently used light bulbs with compact fluorescent bulbs, it's like taking 3.5 million cars off the road. Find out how you can help at fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. Thank Thank you you very much, Alex. Day nada. Jinx. Ha ha ha. What? What is that? What is that motion that what you're is, making? Why to are me? you motioning? 
What what is that I think, gesture? I think he wants, he wants me to say to his say name. So. Oh, I think he does. I think he does. Oh. I think we have a caller. <laughs> oh, too bad. David. Sorry, Thank David. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, oh God. Uh, mysterious phone caller. You're on the air. David, happy <laughs> birthday. Thank you. I'm going to party like it's your birthday. <laughs> going to drink Bacardi like it's your birthday. <laughs> it's Mr. Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, hi, Mr. Jensen. How hi, are you doing? Hi, Dad. I've been doing wonderfully. How's your semester? It's very good. Thank you for calling in with that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it a. Is it a poem? Would you say, or more of a rap? Uh, well, I'm not Rivers Cuomo, but I, I didn't make it up. So, see, my dad's uh, a poet, and he doesn't even care. care. No. I don't even care. No, <laughs> I, I do have a. I do. And uh, congratulations for making it to three years almost at uh, WashU, David. Thank you. Thank you very um, much. I do have a, a, a story. <laughs> a story? Perfect. Well, it's, our theme today is stories. Is so. this story <laughs> air safe, Nick Jensen? Well, I, uh, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with last night's show, by the way. But uh, I do have a prom date story, but we'll tell that one on Halloween. Okay. But this one is a birthday story. Oh, okay. And uh, I grew up on a lake in uh, northern Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, my grandparents lived right next door to us. And uh, when I was 14 years old, uh, on my birthday, we went ice fishing. My birthday's in January. We went ice fishing, uh, which was not an abnormal occurrence. We did a lot of fishing. And uh, my grandfather took me out. We caught some fish. And we came back. Uh, and we were cleaning the fish. He was showing me how to clean fish. And I think it's something that all grandfathers do for their children when they're 14 on their birthdays. And... As he was cleaning the fish, you know, we were, he was showing me the different organs of the fish, and um, I was interested. And uh, the, the fish uh, have a, uh, an air sac, which uh, regulates them in the, in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, the swim bladder, upright. right? Yeah, it keeps them upright. And uh, he removed several of the, uh, of the air sacs and uh, looked at me and said, you know, Nick, a lot of the Native Americans use these as prophylactics. <laughs> this is going to be the greatest story and ever. I, I looked at my grandfather, and, and he looked at me, and then he, he put them in his pocket. <laughs> and I, I guess I never really looked at him in the same way, and that was a good birthday. And uh, I, actually, I still have one of those in my wallet, and I'll show it to you when I come down to graduation. <laughs> Week, okay. Wow. Sounds great. Dad, are you leaving them to me in your will when you pass on <laughs> from this world? It depends if you graduate or not. Oh, okay. We'll see. All right. Well, thank Good you very call. much for calling Good in, call. Mr. Jensen. That <laughs> was uh, that was an happy, excellent story. Have a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye, Dad. Bye. That was unexpected and That sweet. was unexpected. <laughs> thank Quite you. Quite nice. This is all <laughs> unexpected. You guys have set me up. Yep. In yes. the best way. The lot of you. It's a conspiracy. Yes. Uh, but a conspiracy of love, David. Our, our, yeah, our theme here on K-Worth Theater of the Air today is uh, true stories. And, you know, there are a lot of films that are based on true stories. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Except and- that it's usually not true. It's like, it's the true story about a Nazi hunter that learned to find love in Argentina in the most strangest of places. Like, that's always, that's never true. But it's based on truth, so <laughs> I think I think it may be time to uh, broach that realm with yeah. some 
Good idea. Original movie trailers. Mm. I'd be down for that. So here's a trailer for a totally based on truth story. Totally. A voice that has delighted millions. A song that inspired a nation. A spirit that caught fire like a burning space shuttle. I've got a mustache. This holiday season, experience the heartwarming story of Freddie Mercury. All right, guys. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Can anybody? No, Freddie, cut. Everyone stop. Uh, Freddie, look at me. What's the matter, Jose? Look at me. I'm looking at you. Look at me more. Okay. I mean, really look at me. Yes. I need you to be like this higher. Look at look at my hands. This much higher. How did you even get your hand to the second story? I'll show you. Oh! Oh! Do it again. Oh! One, two. Mr. Fahrenheit, the Freddie Mercury story. A life. A whole bunch of songs. Starring Jamie Foxx as Freddie Mercury. Coming soon to a theater near you. That looks really good. I'd see that. Or sounds I would, good, I guess. I would see that at least four or five times. Oh, at least. At least. Do you guys know um, Freddie Mercury's uh, real name? Uh, no. I know he's from Zanzibar. Frederick Mercury? Mm-mm. False. It is um, Farak Bulsara. That is... Why didn't he use that as his actual <laughs> name? Come on! I don't know. If I had a name like that, I would not change it to Freddie Mercury. I, I know. Well, it's, Freddie Mercury, I mean, is, Freddie Mercury those, is a good name. Well, but. It, it had to do... I mean, it. they call him the unsung Asian rock hero, basically. True. I mean, he, he could pass as a Caucasian in England. And mm-hmm. so that's why he created that rock identity, because it wasn't... Yeah. I mean, that's why. Okay. What, what? It's an awesome name, though. Wait, can you say it again? Farak what? Farak Balsara. That sounds like a Barack Obama. A little, yeah. You guys. Oh, my gosh. You They're guys. the same person. The president oh is Freddie Mercury. Oh, this is great news. Oh, the recession is over. I totally would have voted for him if I knew that he was Freddie Mercury. Revelations. You totally would have voted. <clears throat> Revelations, ladies and gentlemen, here on K-Worth Theater of the Air you heard every it first. week. <laughs> you heard it first here. Uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, that sounded like a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, do do we want to investigate some more movies based on entirely true, one hundred percent real stories? Yeah. I can think of nothing better. I'm kind of pumped up now. Okay. Let's hear some more. Well, I got one more for you, folks. That's the sound of Alex being pumped up. Yeah. Because we pump up. She's actually full of air. I'm gonna play this thing and now. fatty deposits. I'm Get gonna... to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Run! <laughs> what? <laughs> just, just play the trailer. Yeah. Throughout the ages, man has been driven by one desire, one need to win. I win again. Prepare to enter the action-packed world of underground cribbage. I don't think you can make it in professional cribbage. I got a goal, okay? I know what I need to do. Why won't you just let me do it? Because you're a woman. But I play some damn good cringe. One woman's triumph over a system that threatened to consume her. Yolanda, I got a call from your principal today. 
He said you weren't in school again. Dad, you know I gotta do this cribbage thing. Get out of this house. But Dad! Get out of this house. I will not have no cribbage playing hussies living under this roof. This Columbus Day, see who rolls the bones and who puts the little pegs in the little slots. Cribbage, the movie, rated R. I would see that, too. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a fantastic film that I would like to see. Yeah. Rising to the top. I know. From the ghettos. And it's all based on absolutely true stories. Absolutely. True stories like this one. If If someone you know is thinking of dropping out of high school, talking to them could be the one thing that keeps them going. Go to BoostUp.org to learn more. Brought to you by the U.S. Army, the Ad Council, and KWUR. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the KWUR Theater of the Air. Here on 90.3 FM. Oh, which reminds me. uh, Sorry to cut you off. Could we play the... uh, the, Heck yes. uh... Let's take a break and I will go find it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't realize it uh, needed to be found. It does need... Well, I need to... It does. It's cool. It's cool. So uh, why don't we take a break and we'll be back with... Uh, the most amazing station ID in the world, and a lot more true life stories. Dr. Brunel, you're up. You're next. You're up next. What is this? What is what? It is nothing. It is nothing. Dr. Brunel, you're next. Who planned this? Uh, me and, and your mother and Alex.
Welcome back. That was uh, that was Andrew Bird. I believe that track was called uh, Fritz and the something or others because I'm not looking at the CD right now. <clears throat> well, uh, but, okay. No, that was not a, that was not a significant cough. That was just a regular cough. Oh, that wasn't Andrew Bird at all. Of course, duh. That was uh, that was Final Fantasy. Owen Palette. Sorry. Hello. Track four is the butcher. No, no, that's a lie. That is cockatrice. <laughs> okay. Oh, I've fallen ill with a palsy. I've died. I've died. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I've died and I'm dying more. So uh, David's dying, and while he's dying, Ugh. I guess we will be playing um, something that is very story-based. Um, the Duel. Okay. Because that's next, you see. Yeah, that is next. I see. This is uh, this is another <laughs> thing from the Moth, I suppose. All right, the the Moth is is this podcast that the, where people tell stories. Where people tell stories, basically true stories about truth and beauty, mm-hmm. and Booth and Trudy. The, you know Booth and Trudy. Booth and Trudy, like John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, and Trudy and, and Trudy. <laughs> Trudy Motoring. Donovan. Trudy Motoring. Anyway, yeah. well, let, let's let's play it. I guess. Yeah, I, I am. I'm pro that. I'm pro that as well. I hope it's funny. I hope it's funny too. I hope I'm you're sure it funny. will be. I, I wish funny. you were funny. I am funny. I'll fight you. Okay. Well, I'm gonna tell you my story now. Um, in 1984, I was a sophomore at Princeton, and I was one of the captains on the fencing team. And I briefly want to explain fencing to you a little bit. Uh, for everyone, there were a few Jews knew what a moyle was, and certainly the male Jews remember what a moyle was. But for those of you who don't know what fencing is, I'm going to give you a quick lesson. Uh, in fencing, there are three weapons, and I'm, going to, um, I'm not going to make a joke about a pen being mightier than the sword, but I'm going to use a pen as a sword tonight, which is only fitting since it's the pen festival. But So, quickly, fencing. There are three weapons. The most common weapon that people know about is the foil. And in foil, the torso is the target area. And you use the tip of the blade like that. And so just the torso, not the arms, only the torso. Another weapon is the epee. And in that, with that weapon, the whole body is the target, including the feet, the legs, the head, everything. But again, you only use the point. Now, the weapon I fenced was saber. And it was, for me, the most dashing, the most romantic, the most Errol Flynn-like. Because the way you scored touches were, was a slashing motion. Oftentimes, I have a real saber when I do this. And you would have been in peril, but because I'm an expert, I merely would have just snipped a hair for a moment, but very lovely right in the front here. Anyway, so the, the saber is a slashing weapon, and the, whole, and the whole target area is everything above the hips, including the head and the arms. And so you make cutting motions like that, and you slash across the body, and it's very dynamic. So I was the captain, and I loved the romance of fencing. So I named all my fellow uh, saber fencers after great swordsmen in history. There was Sir Gawain, the Green Knight, one sort of goofy freshman we called, Don Quixote. And myself, I named El Cid. I was a Charlton Heston fan. This was, uh, you know, I loved his face. This was before he was wearing that horrible wig and, you know, became an NRA spokesman. But even that was okay. He had a great face. You don't see faces like that every day. So I called myself El Cid after the great Charlton Heston role. Now, I had a secret goal that sophomore year at Princeton and while training, and that was to beat the number one saber fencer at Columbia, Russell Wilson. 
My lifetime record against Russell Wilson was about 0 and 13. I'd been fencing him all through high school. I'd been fencing him at Junior Olympics. He was always beating me. Once at a party at the Junior Olympics, he snubbed me socially, which only added to my growing wound. Um, he, he trained in New York City with, like, expatriate Russian coaches. He had incredible skill. He was snobby. I, I, he was also a little bit chubby, and he had these sophisticated moves. So his whole worldview was opposed to mine, and, and I was always losing to him. So my goal, my secret goal sophomore year, was to beat Russell Wilson. Now, to get ready for this, I would go for early morning lessons with my French fencing coach at Princeton, who was a gorgeous man. He had a, he had a bald head, not that that's gorgeous, but he had a bald head and beautiful gray eyes, kind of looked like Sean Connery. He'd been a commando in the, in the Algerian War, the French-Algerian War, and he would train me early in the morning, coming at me with a steel rod to make my parries extra firm, because you block here, you block here, you block here for the head, and he'd come at me, El Cid, come on, El Cid, commando, commando, because he was big into being a commando, and he was seeing me as a possible commando, and he would come at me with a steel bar going, commando, commando, and I would get ready, and he would tell me to be in my on-guard position, which is like this, you must have a uh, band of steel in the groin outside. I don't know why we had to have a band of steel down here, but you know, it wasn't chased or anything like that, but he liked us to have a band of steel down here, come at me with this rod, then afterwards, you know, he would tell me stories of the war, and he would often tell this one story, he'd go, one time out seat, I was walking along on patrol, and suddenly an electric cable shot me in the buttocks, and I went flying in the air, 30, 40 feet, I was flying through the air, but then I landed on my feet like a cat, like a cat outside, that's how you have to be with balance when you fence outside, and, and then two days later, he'd be like, El Cid, one time I was on patrol and an electric cable struck me in the buttocks and I went flying through the air and then I landed on my feet like a cat. That's how you have to be. And I don't know, he was on some loop because every two or three days I would hear this electric cable story in the buttocks and flying through the air and I'd be like, yes, coach, you're the greatest. You know, he had a huge ego. He would claim that when he was my age, he could fly when he went at a, someone with his saber. You know, he goes, I became plenar. You know, this was plenar, like he would be totally flying through the air with his saber. And we somehow at the time, though, I sort of believed him. You know, he said it with such conviction. Anyway, so we were both training like crazy. Finally, the big meet against Columbia happened, and we took a van from Princeton up to Columbia, and the coach also wanted me to win terribly because his wife had left him and was shacking up with the Columbia's coach. She had a thing for <laughs> swordsmen, I guess, and so she, he really wanted me to win. We both had a vendetta. So we go up to Columbia. And we're in the gym getting ready, and the Columbia team's not around. We're in our white outfits, stretching, starting to work out a little bit. And then suddenly the whole gym fills with Wagner music, the ride of the Valkyries, right? This scary Wagner music. And for me, I'm Jewish, and I'm like, what is this, Wagner? You know, this is Rocky music for the Nazi party. This is horrible. And then suddenly the Columbia team comes racing in with their white outfits and their swords trying to intimidate us to this Wagner, like the Nazi party. And it only made me more incensed, made me want to beat Russell Wilson even more. So anyway, before I got to fence Russell Wilson, though, I fenced a lesser, the lesser saber guy on the Columbia team, and I lost to him. I was so keyed on Russell Wilson, I lost, which was disastrous. But our team was still competing. So then finally I got to fence Russell Wilson, this bout I had been training months for, these, you know, commando lessons with the iron rod in the morning, the, the, you know, the buttock story, all so I could beat Russell Wilson. I get down in my band of steel. We're moving back and forth. I faint to his head, and I cut him across the belly, and I go up 1-0. Now, to win a fencing bout, you have to score five touches. And so I, was, I had gotten the first one. And when I scored a touch in fencing, I would, the language of fencing is French. And so when I scored the touch, I went, Ella! 
And Ela means and there, like and there you swine, you fool, you idiot, you know, you 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 Londoner or something like that. So I'd go, you know, Ela, and I said it really loud, right? And then we're moving back and forth. He tried to come here. Boom! I hit him right in the head. I'm up two zero. This is incredible. I'm winning. It's beautiful. Then he got a touch two one. But then I went ahead three one. This was wonderful. But then he started coming back three two three three. It's like oh no, you know, I got down on my band of steel. Then I went ahead four three. But then sure enough, he cut. You know, he fainted to my head, cut me across the belly. It was now tied 4-4. I could sense it going out of my hands. My inner loser was asserting itself. Uh, You know, my whole Oedipal upbringing, my father was always trying to crush me to keep me out of my mother's bed and everything like that. And so I could just sense it was happening again. Oh, no, I'm going to lose. It was 4-4. Now, when it's 4-4 in fencing, it's called la belle, the beautiful touch, because it's like the touch right before death. You know, the French love the death, le petit mort, le grand mort, they love it all. And so 4-4 so four, four is la belle, because if you're recreating a duel to the death, the next touch would be the death touch. So my coach calls timeout. I lift up my mask, and he starts speaking to me in French. Il va faire le contre-temps. And, but at this point, I'm not absorbing any French. I'd been saying, hey, la, with every touch, hey, la, you know. I couldn't get, that was the only French I could get out of me or in me, but he's giving me all these instructions with French, and I'm going, okay, coach, but I sense I'm going to lose, and so he walked off, my mask came down, and then he turned and looked at me with these beautiful bullet gray eyes he had, and he said, commando, and that was like our secret communication, commando, the iron rod, everything, okay, I'm good. So I got down to my band of steel, and I decided to do something very risky. I was going to, I tried to win by playing it defensive, because I knew Russell Wilson, he wanted to really humiliate me, and one way to humiliate a saber fencer the hand would also be target area. And in fencing, you're supposed to keep your hand back, but to keep your balance, sometimes it would come forward. And even though it's sort of macho and Errol Flynn-like, it does look a little fay as you're kind of moving forward with this hand, kind of very genteel and, you know, the pinky up or something like that. But anyway, my hand was out, and I knew he was going to want to cut it to really defeat me terribly. So I kind of kept it out there, almost like a trout fisherman with a lure. Come on, Russell Wilson, go for my hand. Try to humiliate me. I know you're a sadist. You snubbed me at that party in Cleveland. Come on, cut my head. So I was leaving it dangling out there, right? And now the danger was that when I went to parry, if I went too far, if I overcompensated, he would quickly move and cut me here. That was the danger of going for that. So, but I'm leaving it out there. I'm leaving it out there. I'm drawing him in. He's moving back and forth. It's a beautiful dance fencing. And then suddenly, sure enough, he makes his move. He goes for my hand. I wait till the last second. Boom, I parry him. It was beautiful. It was delicious. It was a wonderful clang of steel. I had him blocked. Now, and his head was right there because he had extended himself. So all All I had to do was go like that, tap him right on the head, and I win. All I had to do was go like, tap him right on the head. Now, I've been fencing like everything in life. The closest distance between two points is a straight line. So just like that, like the coach had been telling me. But instead, like an idiot, like an inner loser, like blinded Oedipus, I rear back like that, exposing my arm. You fool, I sense my foolishness. But Russell Wilson was so shocked that I parried him. I still had time. So I compensated, and I came down ferociously on top of his head like that. Hey, la! And I went so nuts, so much craziness my whole life, so much confusion all came out right on his head and my saber snapped and broke over his head, went flying into the air, probably blinded a a co-ed, you know, Barnard it went flying into the air, it was beautiful, and I went like that and I had scored the touch, but then I went nuts, I I started going, Ayla, 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 Ayla Ayla, 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 it was like I had French Tourette's, I was like a dog in an alleyway making love like the greatest lover ever, up and down this pumping motion, the A-laws, 
the whole place was going crazy, and the judge, who was actually a Holocaust survivor with one eye and a lump and a bad leg, somehow he had seen this. Nobody could miss that I had broken the blade over his head. He goes, touch to the left to Ames, to Princeton, and I had one who ever wins in life. No one. That's why we're here tonight. You never win. But I had won, and I was lifted up by my teammates, the greatest fencing victory of my life. I was ebullient, and then I saw Russell Wilson down below just kind of dizzy, and I said, oh, nice bout, completely disingenuous, but showing good form, and we shook hands, and so that is the story of my greatest fencing victory. Thank you. So just two little quick things, almost like a coda. Um, uh, several years later, I was at a dinner party, I mean, a few years ago, at a dinner party, and several years after the fact, and I took my uh, knife and I, I told this story, and a girl at the dinner said, I know Russell Wilson, he's an arms dealer now for the government. I was like, what? Anyway, so then I was like, wow, well, I defeated him, you know, and I don't care about him in going in helicopters over the Middle East, but anyway, so then she emails me like a week later, I mentioned you to Russell Wilson, he said he didn't remember you. So... <laughs> snatched it away from me. Anyway, thank you. Oh, that's great. Wow. A fencing like story. One. So Jonathan Ames is he writes for the New York he writes for New York writes, magazine, right? Or for uh, the New yes. York Times? Yes. He Ooh. he writes for uh I, I believe uh, New York magazine, the New Yorker, Harper's oh, okay. he's written okay. a, he's he's written a couple of books as well. He, sou- he just sounds it. You know, oh, you <laughs> fool, you Oedipal fool. You know, like, no, who talks like that? Yes, he does. I guess people that f- fenced for Harvard or for Princeton in, in college. Yes. I so that, that was great. Well, All yeah, right, but I do you say, do you say, oh, you Oedipal fool, you, you, you sack of delinquencies? I've been known to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, you're listening to K Worth Theater of the Air here on KWUR 90.3 FM. I'm and, David Reinstrom. And I'm David Brunel Brutman. And I'm Alex Jensen. And it's and his birthday. It is. And we, we have another mystery caller. So, um, Caller, you're on the air. Mystery caller, you're on the air. Okay, this is a mystery caller. And your clue is Ant Hill. Ant Hill. Ant Hill, yeah. Okay. To... I don't know. Is that there means... another clue? No, I'm completely kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this, this is my Aunt Hillary. Hi, Aunt Hi. Hillary. How are you? Uh, sometimes. Uh, Happy birthday, Dave. Hi. You're not Aunt Hillary. No. Um, that, I, wait, I, I didn't quite hear you. I only heard happy birthday. No, because, because we were going to serenade you. Oh, really? Do it. No, do, please. Do, please. Do, no, yes. that's not going to happen. No, it's happening. Please. <laughs> Has anybody serenaded you? Let's say no. Uh, would, 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 is that, like, something that would... Bother the FCC? Absolutely not. As long Abuse as it's not an obscene. No, as oh, long as it's dear. not an obscene song. <laughs> okay, we can kill so, you up. So, did you get the twenty-one pun salute? I did. Uh, yes, y- you. You guys sent me a uh, an absolutely horrendous list of puns. I was I, going to <laughs> write you an email back later this evening. Um, hey, Dave, how do you get a Charizard and a Venusaur onto a bus? You got to Pokemon. <laughs> that's just a joke. I don't right? care. No, that's a pun. Oh, okay. It's pun-ish. It's punish. So yes, it, it, th- those were some you. truly, truly awful puns. Well, you're. Thank you. Thank you for ge- those. It's a genetic disposition, I think. <laughs> I don't think we can let you go without a song. It is. 
Okay. Well, apparently my co-DJs are demanding a song. So, I demand uh, a song and uh, and <laughs> sorry. No, no, that would be uh, that would be abuse of the airwaves. But how about this? Yes. What what is a Freudian slip? What his mother wears to bed? Close. <laughs> Close. That was pretty good. What you when you say one thing but mean your mother. <laughs> I love okay, that one, one more. One okay. more. Okay, one more. All right. One more. We, I, I have to find a good Pick one. Pick a good one. Pick a good okay. one. Okay. Just just one good one. Um, okay. Uh, did you hear about the Buddhist who refused Novocaine during root canal? <laughs> yeah, I, love this one. I did not. He wanted to transcend dental medication. Groan. Dave. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you, you for calling. Uh, okay. I'll see you when you're home. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Guess whose family loves him? Uh, apparently mine. Aww. Aww. Oh no. We, we have another mystery <laughs> caller. Will it never end? Nope. Mystery caller, you're on the air. Keep it clean. Ah, Hudambo. Nina Kutumaini Ulikwa Nasiku Yakuliza Nzuri Sana. Jumbo. Jumbo. I don't understand that. That was Swahili. Oh. Yes. I'm Hi. so good. I don't speak a word of it. <laughs> Happy birthday, David. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, Aaron. Bye. Thank you, uh, additional mystery callers. All right. Is, is anybody else going to call? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I've, I've lost track of the schedule. We could play a thing. Rafa, Merrily, you guys know what's up. Your mom hasn't called yet, right? This is a whole this is an elaborate this is a whole <laughs> elaborate thing. It's starting I'm, it's starting to become disconcerting. Well, we uh we we got about uh we we have another call. We have another mystery call here. Let me let me put this on the air. Uh mysterious mystery caller, you're on Kworth Theater of the Air. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's the village people. Like that. Oh, we, we grouped it. We got to do it again. What? What? We got to do it again. Gotta I'll count again. you off. One, two, three. <laughs> it starts again, David. <laughs> oh, no. We're having Groundhog Day. <laughs> Your parents are great. Basically the greatest people ever. I thought you should know. Happy birthday to our one and only son. Happy birthday now that you are 21. Happy birthday to Dave from Abraham Lincoln. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Are you having any fun? Happy birthday on behalf of Charles Darwin. Happy birthday. I bet you wish this song was done. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I told you your parents were awesome. Thank you, total mystery callers. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you very much, and I hope we pass the audition. Yes. Nice. Uh, well, well, sweetheart, uh, we'll call I'm you. Sorry, wait. That was a Beatles reference. I I have <laughs> to commend you. 
that. Uh, thank you. I feel like it's my birthday. That was okay. uh, that was remarkable. I I don't I don't even know what to say. That was really well put together. You know what you know what that's based on, David. It's your birthday. How many years have you accrued? It's your birthday. We'd ask, but that would be rude. It's your birthday. We're hey. only here to serve you food. It's your birthday. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did Barack call yet? Oh, no, Barack hasn't called yet to wish oh, David a happy okay. birthday. Well, you know, Barack has, oh, well. He's a busy guy. He is the president. <laughs> Hold on. I, I need to go, I need to go change my pants. <laughs> No, because I, I did, I did win Ohio for him. So uh-huh. Oh, uh, one more person to say happy birthday. Okay. Uh, total, hey, total mystery phone guest. Okay, yeah, this is this is a mystery phone guest. Oh, yeah. Hey, Dave. Hi. Uh, happy birthday. Complete mysterious stranger. Yep. Phone. Um, uh, phone caller. Uh, you're Thank you very much. Thank you very much for wishing me hey, a happy Dave. birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. Want to buy me a drink? Uh, I, no. No? It was worth a shot. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday. Thank you. Okay, okay, but who was the caller before Aaron? Because we kind of missed that. The caller before Aaron? Uh, uh, Aunt Hillary called That's before Aaron. I thought it sounded like yes. a very and, voice. And read me horrible, and read me horrible puns. Ladies and gentlemen, these are my parents on the phone. <laughs> yes, and we are. And my sister as well. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if we're in See, the I was trying with... to keep up the pretense, but eventually I have to I have to announce it. I know. On I the know. air. Well, you know, Dave. Uh, thanks for calling, guys. Goodbye. Thanks for calling. Happy birthday. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Wow. This, uh, yeah, you guys, the lot of you. A lot of you. You're too much. You must You're feel too- so. Oh, another call. Another call. Come Who on. What could it be? What is this? A uh, super exciting mystery caller. You're on the air. What? Get your own damn fight. Uh, hello. Uh, hi. Oh hey. my gosh. It's who Alex? is? Uh, hi, hey. Barack. Hey. Can you hear us? Uh, uh, hi, hi guys. Uh, oh. I am sorry. I haven't. I haven't called lately. I haven't missed your birthday, have I? No, no, oh. not at all, Mister oh, President. Oh, thank God. Okay. I have been so busy. Hi, everybody. It's, it's uh, Barack, the president. Um, I, I've been really busy, and I was really worried I wasn't going to get, you know, to, to talk to you. Uh, because, look, I mean, I mean it's your birthday, and, and uh, I mean, I'm a busy man. I'm, I'm president now. Oh, know? certainly. Yeah, we. I, I completely understand. I am so, I'm honored. So no, I, I, mean, I'm I, honored. I don't want that to be, uh, I don't want that to be my excuse, you know, uh, that, that, that really shouldn't hold. Uh, it's your birthday. It's your special day. And I don't care if I'm president. You know, I got I got to call the people I love. So are you are you uh, going to sing? Well, thank to you David, so much. Oh no, no 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 no. Michelle has forbidden me from oh, singing. Right. Uh, oh no, I understand. That's uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a thing I do. Um, it just let's not even go there, Miss Jensen. But uh, David, I wanted to offer you something. Uh, as it is your twenty first birthday. Okay. Uh, I was wondering uh, if you would like to be my commerce secretary. Commerce secretary. Yeah, uh, we just—it's like the defense against the dark arts position. We just—we just can't keep people in it. <laughs> well, Mr. President, I, Jeff, I don't Jeff think Jeff Greggy just didn't—he didn't want it, and Bill Richardson—he wouldn't take it. Um, you know, I mean, I, you're on the short list, and uh, I figured uh, no better time than now. Did you? Uh, um, well, you, you know, I as as a as a 
an illustration and English major, I, I don't feel that I'm qualified. Now, you think Bill Richardson was qualified? Please. <laughs> <laughs> did you, um, did you call? I mean, come on, he's a, he's a light bulb. What's the word, Alex? Not the positive. I don't know. With a lipo, lipo, L- lipo, lipoma? Thingy. Is that lipoma, what you're trying to say? Lipoma, that's the word, with a beard, you know. <laughs> a lipoma with a beard. That, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, basically. Mr. President. Uh, I'm sorry. Bill, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Have you tried calling Severus Snape? Uh, he's he's been he's, after the <laughs> that position. He's yeah, he's been after the oh, commerce. Oh, alert. Uh, sorry, sorry, girls. My, my daughters haven't finished the, uh, the series yet. Oh, oh, yeah. But they should be asleep by now. Oh, uh, it is! It is I almost dead. Spoiler alert! Well, thanks well, for calling. Yeah, thank you so much, Mr. President, for for calling happy, in. Happy twenty first. Thank uh, you so be much. Safe, be responsible. Um, God bless America. All right. God bless America. Okay. Uh, happy birthday. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, our president. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Wow, you you must feel pretty special right I about now. I do feel pretty <laughs> special. I feel outrageously special. Uh, well, I mean, do we have anything else to uh, to play to commemorate both uh, your birthday as well as uh, Story Week? I don't know. Oh, David's back from changing his pants. Oh, hey, while you were out, um, Barack Obama called. Wait, did not you? You people are you're always making this stuff up. No, no, I'm sorry. Look, Barack Obama, he just, for whatever reason, uh, hi, caller, you're on the air. Uh, Barack Obama just called, and we're we're trying to tell Dave, for some reason, like, every time President, he, I think every time President Obama joke. calls, David is out of the room. I, I, don't, I don't get him. It's very strange. Anyway, caller, caller uh, speaker you, you are on the air. Bon anniversaire, nouvelle et plus sincère. Que ces quelques fleurs vous apportent le bonheur. Que l'année entière vous soit douce et légère. Et que l'infini nous soyons tous réunis. Pour chanter encore, bon anniversaire. Wow. Aww. Uh, that's incredibly embarrassing. Merci bien. Ah, vous avez fait that was bien. That's very Alison. good, though. Merci bien quoi. Thank you very much, uh, mystery caller, whoever you may be, for that lovely song. Also, sang at phi Also, what? Sang at phi That was Chinese. Oh, okay. Thank you. Identify yourself, mystery caller. Um, this is Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi, David. Hi, Allison. Hi, Hi, Hi Allison. Hi, Alex. Thank Hi. you for calling in and singing me a lovely song. You're welcome. I'm sorry for deafening you. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was very nice. Mm-hmm. Good night, guys. Good night. Bye. Rafa, call. Rafa, Aww. call. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get to any of our content. I just, uh... I just thought you should know that the, uh, the final push is here. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, is the, it, what's going to happen? Is there is this going to be like um like the end of a disaster movie? You mean Meaning, like are wolves going to chase students through halls of a frozen I, high I school? I guess I guess what I'm asking the answer to that is no. Is is yes. I I guess what I'm asking is uh are wolves going to chase me through the frozen streets of Manhattan and into the uh New York Public Library where I will have to uh freeze to death? with the girl that I like, but 
were on the debate team? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Uh, oh, I was going to say the answer is yes. And I was going to say, apparently, we have yet another caller, ladies and gentlemen. Caller, you're on the air. Happy birthday to you, to you, to you, to you. Happy birthday to you, to it's you, to you. Feliz here. cumpleaños, cumpleaños, Oh my gosh, you guys. Shakira is in the studio with us right now. It is your birthday. She just she just came in here in a flurry of hips and tassels. We were expecting her to call, but she just showed up, and she's so beautiful. She's covered in black paint. You guys are remarkable. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what to say. En tu día, amiguito, que Dios te bendiga. Reine la paz en tu día y que cumplas muchos más. Then I shook my hips. And then you, sh- he, sh- she, she shakes, shakes her, her she beautiful shakes hips. Her, her, yes, her lovely sensual hips, I which never, always <laughs> tell the truth. I always tell the truth. I never realized how small and humble her breasts were. It's uh, thank you, <laughs> Shakira, <laughs> for coming into the station. Yeah, thanks, Shakira. That's oh. this is quite a great surprise. Oh. Big fan, big fan. <clears throat> Anyway. <laughs> uh, yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Shakira. It was very nice to see you. <laughs> I guess that was our finale. Wow. I guess we don't have anything else. Out with a bang. Oh. <laughs> Out with a bang, indeed. Do, do we have anything? Any more trailers that we can... You want to play a trailer? I mean, they're pretty we can short. We play a trailer. They're pretty short. We can let's, do that. Let's throw that on Come there. on. Let's just... Yeah. Let's throw another trailer on the barbecue. <laughs> I guess I lied. I guess there is somebody else. Uh-oh. Darned if I know who it is. Uh... Finale Mysterious Caller, you're on the air. Thank you. I could hear you looping in the background. Uh, Mystery Caller. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you it was a three-second delay. Well, thank you very much for calling and for uh, identify what, yourself, Mister Caller. Um, yes, this uh, am I identifying the mystery caller? Oh, isn't it your grandfather? Paolo yes, Brunelleschi. it is. Yes, it, it, this is my grandfather, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and woo, how's it going? How how are you? How's about you, the family? <laughs> Fine, thank you. <laughs> Do you know who your first mystery anniversary callers were? I believe that was. Uh... What are you asking me? Or are you asking him? Well, I thought that was you guys. So now I'm totally confused. It was. It was you, wasn't it? Yes. It yeah. Okay. Okay. Me. So we're bookending here, is what it, we're we're bringing it back around. We're bringing it Something all back like around. That. Grammy Grammy had enough and she went to sleep. Okay. Well, thank you very much for calling, not once, but, but twice. twice. <laughs> but twice. Did you have fun? I did have fun. Uh, guys, I, I, would, I would like to thank everybody who called in. I hope that you are all still listening. I 
thank you from the bottom of my heart. You, I, I'm, I'm stunned, and I don't really know what to say, but thank you so much. Dave, I think I'd like, to, I'd like to take this opportunity Besides to tell you. puns run in the family. Remember, Gouda is better. <laughs> thank you, Carl. Thank you very Good much. Night. Good night. I think I think now would be the appropriate opportunity for me to tell you that uh, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. You got me the, the most outrageous <laughs> episode of Kaor Theater of the Air we have ever done. You're right. That was pretty. Outrageous. Or at least the most call iniest. Mm. Indeed, there was that one episode where uh, we had to uh, electrocute those elephants. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that one. That was a pretty traumatic time. I got so many fat deposits from that trauma. <laughs> now you're making fun of me. No, not fun of you. Just my lipoma. It's very cute and hardly noticeable. Oh, it's not true. That It, it is true. No. You're a butt. Ra- radio listeners, if you could see my butt, you would, you would know. It's not on her butt. I haven't seen her butt. It's on the side of my butt. I've I've seen it under socially acceptable circumstances. I, I don't know if that was the best <laughs> that involved the beach. That that was the bathing best suits. possible yeah. choice of words, David. What? <laughs> I have seen it <laughs> under socially acceptable circumstances. Okay, acceptable. okay, fine. Socially I am not I am not Alex's super hot boyfriend because Alex has a super hot boyfriend. He's pretty hot. He's pretty hot. I don't think he's listening, though. On a well, scale of one to hot, he's And he'll hear me talking about great. how hot he is. Well, uh, stay away from my boyfriend, David. Can guys, I, I have uh, thank you, David. <laughs> thank you, Alex. And You're thank welcome. you to everybody who called in for my birthday. You were all lovely. But, alas, I'm going to have to play this tune. No, no, no. Which means that it is time to close here on KWR Theater of the Air. We are reaching that point. It is it is two minutes to ten, and we really have to sad. go. All right, well, uh, I guess that means it's time for credits. That is time for credits. Oh, man. Okay, so our, our opening theme was composed by Peter McConnell. Our closing theme was uh, is performed by uh, Mark O'Connor of the album Hot Swing. This track is called Pickles on the Elbow. But we would like to thank you. First of all, uh, the KWUR Theater of the Air is written, produced, directed, and consumed by <laughs> David Reinstrom, <laughs> David Bruno Brumman, the birthday boy, and Alexander Nicole Jensen, who has an awesome dad. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, many thanks go to Petoskey Brand Fish Prophylactics, <laughs> um, the Moth Podcast, the makers of um, Mike Birbiglia's Dopamine Suppressive... Uh, medication that keeps him in bed at night. Yeah. And, and whoever makes those beautiful sabers. And once again, thank you. Thank you so much to everybody who called in. It was outrageous. Alex, what's our um, our Swiss cheese of the week? The Swiss cheese of the week is very Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, for all the listeners, that's very Swiss cheese. Yes. David, what is the pattern of underwear of the week? Uh, The pattern of underwear of the week is uh, plaid with polka dots. No, it's paisley. This is is a rare rare one. Fine, You don't get to contradict me. It's your birthday. It's red. It's your birthday gets to be plaid with polka dots. It's red. What? No. Plain. No, he's right. Red. Plaid with polka dots. Well, look, we we can have... There's lots of time to debate this. Yeah, well... Okay.